0: I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Woo! Man, that music never gets me, uh, or never fails to get me excited to record another episode of the Wong Takes, even though we are, what, 91 episodes in now? It is April twenty third, twenty nineteen. You know who it is. Uh, the baseball, or sorry, basketball playoffs, uh, continue over the next few months, and we will talk about that today. Uh, also, uh, some other things we're going to get to later on in the show. I'm, I love this time of year. Uh, the only downside is pollen. I've mentioned it. I'll mention it again. Um, but I don't know, for a lot of you guys listening, high school, maybe a senior, it's really scary to get to those uh, last five weeks. Because I was, or well, I guess from the last five, four, five, six weeks now. Because I was sitting where I usually sit at lunch. And it's kind of scary to think, like, you know, I'm not going to be able to sit here too many more times, these people um and everything and it's uh it's really about i guess it's it's a cliche but cherishing every moment cuz it's it's you're going to be saying a lot of this is the last time I'm doing this this is the last time I'm doing that this is the last time I'll see uh this person or this person or this person or this teacher or whatever um and I guess it really elevates the whole living in the present thing uh which is I don't normally subscribe to cliches, but I'm starting to feel it a little bit in the heart. But anyway, let's get to the NBA playoffs. And just like last week and last year, we are going to go series by series and take a look at some of the storylines uh, in each series. And we're going to start with the Warriors and the Clippers. This series is not close. It is 3-1. Game 5 is tomorrow night at Oracle Arena. You know, I hesitated a little bit. Because now we're saying Oracle Park because of the Giants and Oracle Arena for the Warriors. Anyway, but I digress. The Warriors, after suffering that very, very tough Game 2 loss we talked about last week, I said they were fine. Most people said they were fine. They've been fine. They had a little scare in Game 4. The Clippers were close throughout that game, but the Warriors started to pull away toward the end um, and were able to get the victory. I I, I think the Warriors uh, will be okay. Kevin Durant, after many people criticized him, including me, for not taking enough shots in the first two games, went on to score 38 and 33, uh, leading the point totals for both teams uh, in those games. Game three in particular was his breakout game, uh, after everyone was criticizing him took 23 shots, went 14 for 23. Um, and then in, in game four, he took 21 shots and made 12 of them. Uh, so he is just such an unstoppable player because you don't get that combination of length and speed in the game very often. I mean, imagine if Steph Curry was able to just shoot over anyone because he was taller than them, and especially when you play Durant at the three. There aren't too many people that tall. Uh, who can shoot the ball like that, and that's why many have said, and uh, I agree with their statements. They're the most—he's uh, the most unguardable player in the league, uh, at least when he's on. Maybe LeBron is a little more unguardable, but there's nothing you can do if Durant's jump shot is working because he'll just rise over you, um, and he's been showing that in this series, especially in games three and four. DeMarcus Cousins being out is. Still, obviously, a detriment for that team, but they've shown in the last couple of games that they don't need him to be dominant, their dominant selves. Uh, They didn't have him for the first half of this year, they didn't have him before this year. Um, And if Cousins rides to a ring, I know a lot of people are going to criticize him, but he can't control injury. And with the dues he's paid in the league with his talent and some of the sucky teams he's had to be on, not only record-wise, but chemistry-wise. He deserves to be in a place like Golden State, where he's happy, he seems to be chummy with all the guys, and his team is winning. Uh, So I don't think people should have an issue, if they do, um, with how DeMarcus uh, is situated right now. Um, But the Warriors are in a really good place, uh, and I look forward to seeing them in the rest of the playoffs. Next. The 2-7 matchup in the Western Conference, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Denver Nuggets. That currently is the closest series in the West, sitting at 2-2. And Game 3 was the one that really put a, put a uh, worry into the fans of a lot of Nuggets fans. Uh, because they were down 2-1, they hadn't won in San Antonio in what, seven years? Uh, and... They did bounce back and won Game 4 in San Antonio. But, you know, I I feel this is probably the closest series, uh, and this is really a a toss-up right now. I mean, Denver is the more talented team, top to bottom. I think people would agree with that. But the worry I have with Denver is, A, the lack of major playoff experience. I'm sure I've said that before. The other thing is when you don't have as much experience, you don't have that closer type, right? I don't know who is the closer on Denver. Like, if you have to take one shot, it's probably Jokic, but Jokic doesn't run the point. You're going to have to get it to him in favorable positions and such. Uh, With the Spurs, you've got DeRozan. Uh, You've also got Aldridge who can do kind of what Jokic can do, uh, just maybe less so. But what the Nuggets do have, they do have a lot of people that can score. Uh, and that that did show in Game 3. I think they had six guys and then double figures also Game 4. I mean, Jokic had a big game. Uh, Jamal Murray uh, had a pretty good game, 8 for 14 shooting. Um, and so the Nuggets will probably win this series, but shout out to Derek White also, 36 points in Game 3. And a lot of people have, or he's not a super well-known name, but the kind of effusive praise Popovich gives him, uh, especially from coming from the legendary coach, uh, really goes to show that not only does he put results on the floor, but if Popovich is praising him to the extent he was, he must be putting in all the effort, not only on the court, but in the practice facility, in the gym, in the weight room, etc., And a lot of the D League guys, Derek White played in the D League last year. A lot of the D League guys are like that because the G, uh, the oh sorry, the G League, it's now known as, it does not pay you know the best, and it's not the best life to be living. But these players know that in order to get to the NBA and actually make that money, um, and get out of the more troublesome conditions in the G League, they've got to work their butts off, and that's that mentality. That really does carry over into the NBA. Um, I think we've seen that with Derek White um, and other various players. So the Nuggets will probably win this series, but it's been a fun series to watch. Um, And yeah, that's that. The 3 6 in the West. Portland leads Oklahoma City 3 1. A lot of people have been getting on Russell Westbrook in this series for his antics. And in particular, During a recent press conference, he did the thing where instead of answering the question, he just said next question to something he didn't like. And I am of the opinion that that is problematic because there are, sure, there are times when reporters ask dumb questions and you don't feel like you want to deign down to them and give them an answer. And I think if that is the case, there will be general consensus later, but when you're just saying next question just on a whim, po- posing selective answering like that is dangerous because it, it, it skews the narrative to something you want if you answer at all, and if you don't, and even if you only answer part of the questions like Russell did, the media is going to get on you anyway. It's kind of a lose-lose situation um, for that. Plus, there's also the implicit thing in the media where the media is just doing their job. I mean, people say that all the time. Whenever this type of discussion comes up, the media is just doing their job. They have to write stories that will draw attention, that have interesting quotes. A guy saying, "Uh, you know, the difference in this game was that we just had more effort than the other team. We out-rebounded them, um, and we happened to get some shots to win it. I mean, that, that type of thing gets boring after a while. And you need some of the interest stories and whatnot. Um, and even that and so the media is just doing their job and if the media thinks that you're not going to answer their question if the players have that power to deny questions they're going to shift their questioning to one that is more favorable or one that either way one that provides a narrative that just isn't pleasant to read Um, and this balance of the, the media has always been a part of sports and will forever continue to be a part of sports and I think as an NBA player and and Charles Barkley, I think, made a good point on Inside the NBA a few days ago. I mean, they don't pay you all that money just to play basketball. Um, that might be what it seems like on the surface, but you have to answer the media. You have to do all the bureaucratic stuff. You have to do photo shoots. You got to uh, say hi to fans, sign things, do autographs, do appearances. It's a lot more than just being on the court. And players don't get famous for just doing well. Heck, even Mike Trout has endorsements. Uh, And so I think that's just something that Russell Westbrook... I get that he's kind of in playoff mode right now, and maybe he's feeling a little more... I don't want to say emotional, but, like, intense than normal. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what comes with the playoffs. But I think you still have to be able to step back and recognize that the media is just doing their job. I can answer the question and then just go home. Um, and that's that's really all there is to it. And finally, closing out the Western Conference, the 4-5, Houston and Utah. Houston leads that series 3-1, and that's heading back to Houston. And that will probably end in five games. But I think the thing to take away from this series has been the Rockets' core weakness has not gone away. And that core weakness is... If this team hits cold stretches, they hit hot stretches like no one else in the league, but they hit cold stretches like no one else in the league. And we started to see symptoms of that in Game 3. They beat Utah by three on the road. But James Harden started out that game like 0 for 12 or something and ended like 3 for 20. And he still finished with 22 points, uh, most of those coming at the end of the game. But if... That kind of performance is not going to win a game against the Golden States of the world. Even like the Denvers of the world or the Milwaukee's of the world, um, That that's not going to win you games. And everyone is everyone remembers the 0-27 uh, last year. Game 7, Western Conference Championship is on the line, and Houston misses 27 threes in a row. And this series against Utah, even though they're going to come away with the win... Has shown that that weakness is still there. And as good as this Rockets team is, and as deep as this team has become over this uh, time, they're still running a mostly like seven man rotation. And if a few of their players are cold, they're done. Uh, they're not going to. Now, Clint Capella has, is, has been a force uh, this season, and is that player kind of like the like a Durant on the Warriors or, or or DeMarcus Cousins, that can stop the bleeding for you. But in game four also, I mean, it really came back to bite them. They scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. 12 points. And three of those points were on a questionable Harden uh, foul call on a three. If this team is stuck playing iso ball and they can't make shots, this team is in deep, deep doo-doo. Uh, and I, I I worry that for them that, again, just like last year, in a crucial game, that lack of ability to stop the bleeding is going to come back and bite them in the butt. Um, and I, I think that may happen again sometime before this series done. I mean, we're going to see a Golden State-Houston, probably, match up in the second round this year. Not in the Western Conference Finals because Houston struggled to the end. We're going to see that in the second round. And so if... Harden and the gang can't get this uh, slumping ability out of their system before Golden State. It's going to be a long series because we know that even at their best, uh, Houston can have trouble beating Golden State. And if they don't play up to that standard, it's going to be a rough, rough ride uh, for the Rockets in the second round and maybe an earlier exit than, than they're used to. Moving over to the Eastern Conference now which I have slightly less expertise in, but we will look at it anyway. Uh, the 1-8 series is over in the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks have beaten the Detroit Pistons for their first series win since, I believe, 2001. Uh, which, first of all, is a testament to how good this Bucks team is. Um, because And they won all of their games by at least 16 points, three of those games by 20-plus. Um, and so it, it's tough to, to build a team. And what, what the Milwaukee and, and Budenholzer and them have been able to do um, has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, Giannis has had a phenomenal series, showing many times why he is an unstoppable force. Uh, I mean, one of the moments that struck out to me, like a lot of people, because I got an alert for it, um, was that time when he went up for the dunk and then faked it uh, and then went up. Kind of like the uh, switching hands, Jordan-type deal, and made a layup. It's tough to do that. If you ever try that, getting the momentum to lift the ball up when you're on the way down is very difficult. Um, And at his size, I mean, Durant being an unstoppable player, Giannis is also an even more unstoppable player, perhaps. He is two feet taller than Durant, seven foot three, or two inches taller than Durant, seven foot three wingspan. Um, Those are crazy dimensions. And he's only 24, of course. Uh, so I think the Bucks are going to have a good chance of coming out of the East. And also, shout out to Blake Griffin uh, for kind of rebuild. I mean, his reputation was never really soiled, um, but for establishing himself in a new in a new place and uh, demonstrating that he's a fan favorite. I mean, he had 27 points in Game Three, um, and the fans love him. Like when they were chanting Refuse Suck and he joined along. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of players have wanted to do that. But he's the type of guy who's really adapted that blue chip attitude of, like, it's us against the world. Um, and that's the type of attitude that allows you to kind of do that and, and really embrace uh, that, that moment. Um, and so I love to see Blake Griffin thriving. I mean, he's always been a good dude. Just I didn't root for him because he was on the Clippers. Uh, but it's, 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 I like seeing him in the Eastern Conference now, and I can really uh, root for him a little more. Uh, the 2-7 Raptors magic after a scaring game one. The Raptors have come back and won three straight, including both games in Orlando. Uh, yeah, there's not too much to say about this series. I mean, Pascal Siakam is uh, going to, I think Pascal Siakam is going to really make his appearance on the, uh, on the uh, famous playoff stage in this, this playoffs. I mean, he's got 22 points a game in the first four games of this series, second only to Kawhi, um, and Kyle Lowry's not, playing super hot right now um, he's also got nine rebounds a game so he's almost averaging a double double uh, and oh by the way I mean we lose sight of like with with Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double the last three years people kind of lose sight of how remarkable it is to even average a double double I mean 10 points and 10 rebounds a game or 10 points and 10 assists a game not an easy feat to do um, and so is about doing that in the playoffs um, I don't have too much to say about the series. I mean, the, the Raptors are deep enough. Marcus All is a, a formidable force as well. Uh, Danny adding Danny Green in the DeRozan trade I think was a was a little undervalued plus uh, for the Raptors. Uh, the shooter can space the floor, uh, and he's been played in the playoffs many many times before, uh, so you get that playoff experience, um, and I think that's going to be good for the Raptors going forward. Uh 3v6, Sixers Nets. Sixers look like they're gonna come away with this series up three one, but shout out to Jared Dudley. <laughs> Jared Dudley has been a pest in the or a thorn in the Sixers side all series, and in game four uh he I guess you could say snapped, but uh got Jimmy but Butler ejected, which if you're a role player or an enforcer, I guess you could say, that's kind of your goal is to hurt the opponent uh, more than you hurt yourself by hurting yourself. (laughs) I mean, he's like that dude you see at the Y, but he's on an NBA floor. He's got the headband and the bald head and everything. Uh, And so I think this series will play out, but it's been really fun to see Brooklyn because they've been like the ultimate underdog. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is their leading scorer, and yet they are hanging in there with Philadelphia. They almost tied the series up in Game 4. Uh, and finally, the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers, the 4-5. Uh, the Celtics swept this series, and I think that, and they were all close games-ish. Uh, game 4, the final score was closer than it really was, or looked closer than it really was. The Celtics now play the Bucks after both teams swept their se- respective series. I think this could be an upset alert. I'd probably still take the Bucks in seven, but the Celtics look cohesive, more cohesive than they looked all year. Um, and I, I think they actually have a real chance to knock off Giannis and the gang. If, they, if, if the Celtics can get good three-point shooting um, and, and slashing, I think they have a real chance to kind of dissect that Bucks defense and really make a run at this thing. Uh, but big shout out to the Celtics for getting the sweep. Uh Indiana is not a tough is not an easy place to play as a road team. And I'm really excited to see this next series coming up because it is going to be a doozy. I think the best thing about the NBA playoffs is that since it's 7 games, we get to see this story, these stories unfold and we get to see things like the Dudley fights. Um, When you play the same team five, six, seven times in a row, you really start to develop a hatred, and especially in these early rounds when it's Eastern Conference teams versus Eastern Conference teams, a lot of rivalries that maybe started in the regular season have a chance to boil over, or even rivalries to start on their own. Um, And so that's why the playoffs are so fun, uh, and I look forward to the rest. Okay, so this topic is has come up before uh, on this show, but I think I was a little less knowledgeable about it than I am now. Um, and so we're going to bring it up again um, because Brianna Stewart, the reigning WNBA Most Valuable Player, ruptured her right Achilles tendon last week while playing for her other team, Dynamo Kursk, in Russia. Now... It's kind of crazy, and this has been brought up before, to think that the MVP of the Basketball League, the WNBA, has to play overseas on a team that probably pays her more money, and now she's got to set out the entire 2019 WNBA season, removing a lot of the draw for her team, the Seattle Storm and the WNBA as a whole. Um, And... This is also, this injury has brought up the question again of why do these players have to play overseas? I mean, you don't see NBA players playing games in the middle of the summer against top-tier competition in other countries. Um, And the reason is pay, as always, because they need more money, because the WNBA is not a full-time job, it's not, or it's not a job that can treat you for the whole year. Um, and a lot has been made about, there's the argument of, well, the WNBA uh, doesn't, or, or the WNBA doesn't bring in as much revenue, so why should the players be paid more uh, than, or why should the NBA players, WNBA players be paid the same as NBA players? And that's true. Uh, um, there's no reason that there should be complete equality in pay. However, And my government teacher has talked about, recently talked about this. One of our American values is not economic equality per se, it's equality of opportunity. And how that translates into sports and I guess labor as a whole. It's not about having them be paid the same amount. It's having them be paid the same share of the amount that the league earns. Right, the WNBA players are doing the same service as NBA players are doing to the NBA. Right, They're playing the basketball that is drawing all the attention. And so there's no reason why WNBA players shouldn't be getting the same percentage of revenue as NBA players are. And according to, uh, I saw this on the website called Little Byte News, but it's from economics professor Dave Barry, um, and he's estimated that WNBA's player salaries constitute about 22% of league revenue, while NBA player salaries amount to roughly 50% of league revenues. Uh, Well, that's a startling number in itself. Uh, But part of it is that the NBA has a very strong union and players association. I mean, the NBA is a player-driven league. You don't hear nearly as much about owners and GMs in the NBA as you do in sports like the NFL or Major League Baseball. Um, because the NBA has the or NBA players have negotiated for many various uh, things that they feel they deserve, um, and have gotten many of them. Um, it's a strong it's a strong recognizable union, and the WNBA over time it's only the league is only what twenty years old, but I think over time it will develop a stronger union and renegotiation uh, will be. More in their favor, um, but until then, I I, I think then it's about raising the national conscience to this issue, so that next time the next CBA comes around, um, that's when they can really make the progress that needs to be made, um, and, and we can stop seeing these injuries hurting their livelihoods, uh, even though they are playing in the most popular women's national basketball or women's basketball league in the United States. Uh, undoubtedly one of the biggest markets for for the sport. Quick take. Game 7 tonight. Sharks and Golden Knights will play Game 7 of their first-round series tonight, and I am very excited because for the last couple of years, I've been watching playoff hockey, uh, at least with the Sharks, because it's very, very interesting Particularly when games go to overtime, which the Sharks game went to double overtime, Game Six, the intensity is is up there with like you know basketball and such, um, because it's such a small arena, uh, and the play is so fast-paced that if you blink, you might miss it. I mean, it's like soccer where the game doesn't really stop too often, um, but blink and you'll miss it, especially in hockey because one stretch pass and there's a big goal, major goal-scoring chance. Um, also, just game seven's best two words in sports, win if you win and go home, win or go win or go home. Uh, and for the Sharks especially, being able to stave off two elimination games, including one on the road in Vegas, um, in T-Mobile Arena, has been nothing short of crazy. And the Shark Tank is going to be rocking tonight. Uh, the tickets are like three hundred dollars to sit like in even moderately okay seats. Um, which is a sign, by the way, that it is a—it really is a hockey town, San Jose. Um, and I think over the twenty what twenty-six years that they've been there, uh, the fan base has really developed into one of the best uh, this side of the Mississippi. Uh, so that's what I'll be watching tonight. Let me know what you guys are watching. Um, also, the NFL draft is next week, uh, but that's another story for another time. Off topic today. It was going to be a plug because I enjoy doing that. But before you stop the episode, um, I will say uh, full first of all, obviously, I'm not being paid for this. Uh, it's this just in my own volition for whoever's listening. But I was just hanging out during spring break at home um, and I was kind of bored. So I was like, hey, one of my resolutions since like 10th grade has been to read more. So why don't I read more? Um, and I didn't feel like going to the library. So what I did was I googled library uh, e or something like that. And I found this great app called Libby. And what it is, is it allows you to use the library card that you already own and use and connect the local library card to the app so that the Libby app will connect to your library and access all of the eBooks that the library has to offer. And you can rent those eBooks right from your phone or borrow those eBooks right and audiobooks right from your phone. Um, And so you get all of the greatness of the library. It's free. Like it's not like audible where you have to pay a subscription fee. It's 100% free. Nothing's holding you back from getting as many books as you want other than if other people have borrowed them. Um, But it's great. Uh, I've read, like, three books in the last couple of weeks, in the last month or so, um, including uh, one of the books that I really liked was an audiobook. It was uh, the memoir of uh, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, um, and the story of how, basically, they had no cold, hard cash for, like, 18 years. They were just living off bank loans and credit, Uh, and eventually, they were able to build a successful company just from this startup-type culture uh, this, the, the, the playful startup culture that we see nowadays. Uh, Nike was kind of one of the original companies that was founded based off of that. Um, and it's kind of given me a new insight into the, the behemoth now that we know as the swoosh. And that came into a little more view with Tiger winning the Masters and everything. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Highly recommend Libby. Great service. Uh, it's really easy to to borrow books. Um, and you guys can all, we can all read a little more. Thanks so much for listening to The Wong Takes. Check it out everywhere. Bit.ly slash takes Patreon.com slash takes At gmail.com. Rate, podcast, and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play to get new episodes as soon as I record them. Uh, send questions voicemails. You can get your name on the podcast uh, or the description. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and I will see you next week.